Hoy hoy, you delightful little ragamuffins. I'm John Miller, and you're listening to Everybody Trades. And thank you so much for joining, as usual, and following, sharing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff. Certainly, if you're enjoying this, feel free to share it with a friend, and you will definitely make my day. And on today's episode, I want to continue a bit from the conversation that we had last week. And that was about how I truly believe that fear-based thinking is starting to dominate our society. And historically, fear-based thinking in all of humanity has led to some really, truly disastrous results for our society, for our planet, all that good stuff. And just to give you a better idea of what I'm talking about and just to to buoy my point as much as possible, I want to give what I think are some really concrete examples of how fear-based thinking leads to terrible results for humanity. And you know what? For my first example, let's go to an economic example and, well, one that seems to always be at the top of mind, and that's the idea of slavery. And in this example, I'm not just talking about slavery in an American context. I'm, again, talking about human history. Because obviously we can all look back to biblical times and before then and see that, yes, slavery has been a part of human history and unfortunately is still a part of the human existence in some parts of this planet, even as I speak today. Now, initially, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know how slavery, the exact first slave that was ever taken in human history, but I imagine that maybe that first step was not fear-based. Maybe that was just pure domination and selfishness. I can certainly see that being the case when slavery initially came about. But eventually, as humans became more sophisticated, learned how to do a bunch of other things, came out of basically being Cro-Magnum man, cavemen, that type of deal, well, slavery... Certainly, you can see arguments all the way deep into the 1800s, even in this country, maybe even today, I don't know. But basically, the argument was that, well, yes, while slavery is terrible, it's also necessary. We need slavery. We need to exploit free labor in order to build the society that we now all enjoy, all of the magnificent things that we've invented Basically, human progress, in these people's opinion, is all thanks to exploiting free labor. Well, again, that whole idea, that what I just threw threw you there, that's people acknowledging that, boy, we wish slavery wasn't a thing. Obviously, it's not great, but darn it, it's necessary. That is a fear of what you have disappearing. That's all that, that you're justifying obvious immorality based on a fear of your standard of living dropping. Lots of people made that argument. But of course, the reality is those nations, those societies, those people that are most unafraid of other human beings having their freedom, well, those societies tend to be much wealthier. See, it's the societies, think about the societies in modern days that still have slavery, Poor African nations and, you know, apparently Libya has slaves. I've heard now open air slave markets. There's been rumors of that floating around. But just if you think about the nations in the year 2020 who still have slavery, 
Well, who's doing better? Is it the ones that have it or the ones who don't? Is America more wealthy today or was it more wealthy in the 1860s and before when slavery was a thing, especially in the Deep South? Obviously, the answer is today America is much more wealthy. So the people who thought that slavery was necessary for the continued growth of a nation and a society were proven wrong by history. And then in another fairly recent historical example, at least from the 20th century, when Americans, when the United States government rounded up Japanese Americans during World War II in the wake of the Pearl Harbor attacks and put them into internment camps, well, obviously that was wrong. We can all agree with that, but why did they get away with it? Why did they do it? Well, it was all because people were scared, and certainly the government was scared. But the government was also acting on the behalf of a scared population to some extent. I'll admit that. But of course, this fear-based thinking, sort of like political power, it not only corrupts our morals, but it corrupts our judgment too. Because if you think about it logically, why would a bunch of Japanese, again, American, Japanese-American people who had ostensibly gone halfway across the world to escape the emperor, to escape Japanese rule, to get to a better society, well, why would they suddenly turn on America? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? But again, fear will corrupt your thinking on just about every level. And another fear from the 20th century was from the spread of communism. Now, of course, I'm no fan of communism, but unfortunately, what this really meant was they were trying to stop the spread of other governments. It wasn't so much the idea of communism that John F. Kennedy, for instance, wanted to stop when he talked about the domino theory. But despite all of this, despite, despite the fact that Vietnam, for instance, had never attacked America, well, they were part of the domino theory and we couldn't let another country fall to the spread of communism. So despite the fact that no Vietnamese soldier ever set foot on American soil or even made a move toward attacking America, well, the United States did not declare war on Vietnam, by the way, officially, but they went into Vietnam, did what they did, killed a bunch of people, burned down a bunch of forests, and it was all based on fear of the spread of communism. It certainly wasn't based on any right or wrong. And certainly, if you want to make the fear-based case on Iraq War II circa 2003, well, I wouldn't blame you there either. Because that, again, no Iraqis were involved in the 9-11 terrorist attacks. That's just a fact. That's just something that we know. But a scared post-9-11 world, a, a, a population, and certainly a government that was wanting to capitalize on any fear they possibly could, on terrorism in a post-9-11 world, well, that led to the United States government entering Iraq War II. And I think we can all see that, what exactly did that do for America? Did that make us safer? I don't think that it did. And finally, what I would argue is obviously the most modern-day example of fear-based thinking leading to stupidity and immorality It's got to be the whole COVID-19 crisis, right? Because 
guess what's happening in New York? We just had Andrew Cuomo shiting a bunch of Jewish people, frankly, for, for practicing their religion. Basically, he's telling a bunch of synagogues that, hey, I'm gonna sh-. He's, he's threatening to shut synagogues down if they don't practice the type of social distancing and mask wearing that, frankly, Andrew Cuomo doesn't even do when he's out and about on the streets of New York, as we've seen. But again, while most people in this country believe in freedom of speech, they'll believe in freedom of, of religion, and they believe in the First Amendment, the manifestation of those two ideas. But somehow, again, when fear seeps in, when fear of COVID-19 seeps in, and mostly fear of our own deaths, fear of our own lives coming to an end, well, somehow, for some people, some of the time, that means that, well, I guess free speech, freedom of religion, the First Amendment, that's all out the window when I'm scared. I'm sorry, that is no principle. That is no principle to live your life on whatsoever, and it's frankly bankrupt of all morality and any type of of rational thought. It's all based on fear, and as we've seen, and I hope that I've pointed out with several examples here, fear-based thinking leads to the most terrible results in our society. So don't get me wrong. Fear is a natural part of the human existence. It's wired into us for a reason. There's a reason why there's a visceral people have a visceral reaction to seeing a snake in front of them all of a sudden. It's because some part of our brain is wired to be afraid of snakes because snakes can hurt you. They can bite you. They can poison you and, yes, kill you. But sometimes when you see that tiny little snake that is completely harmless and it scares you anyway, well, just realize, just have more self-awareness and realize, okay, I don't need to run for the hills and get out. I don't need to go scorched earth on my entire yard, for instance, because there's one tiny little baby garden snake or a black snake or something. Now, if there's a copperhead, you should be afraid of that thing. Start running, and, and yes, possibly you should finish off that snake with a hoe or something. My point is, is just be self-aware of your own fear. It's going to be hard at times to control a sort of instantaneous fear-based reaction, but please just step back and go, wait a minute. Again, assess your fear-based reaction and say, is my fear, is this snake going to bite me or is it going to do nothing? That's what we need to realize. We need to get back to that. And certainly, even if there is a dangerous snake and it crawls into my neighbor's yard, well, that doesn't mean I get to burn down his yard too, if that makes any sense. Just because I'm afraid of a snake doesn't mean I get to take steps that are morally wrong or that, most importantly, infringe on other people's rights. That's the real point. So with that said, my advice would be go forth with as little fear as possible, but yes, with the knowledge that your life is finite. Go through with the knowledge that someday all of this is going to come to an end and that you don't have an unlimited amount of time to do the things that you want in life. But to go through life fearing the end every step of the way is frankly no way to live at all. And with that being said, thanks again for joining me on Everybody Trades. 
And until next time, I'm John Miller, and yes, this has been Everybody Trades. Thank you.